following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. I am going to uh, use today, this is normally when we would kind of launch our new sermon series for the month, but... um, First of all, apparently there's no rules about starting a new sermon series at the beginning of the month, and so I really felt like I wanted to finish up some things around the whole whole thing of developing a lifestyle of prayer, and um, we we have definitely been diving into that together over the the last month. I'm just seeing the Lord encouraging us, exhorting us, drawing us deeper into prayer. And, um, and so partially, when we, when we have these times of kind of focus around prayer, we had a week of prayer and fasting, my desire is not that we would have that and we would move on from that point, but that it would actually launch us into a deeper lifestyle of prayer. And so part of what I want to talk about that is kind of how we sustain uh, a life of prayer, just some practical things, and then I'm going to sort of segue us into uh, what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the month here, because, um, you know, our, what we're going to be looking at as we work up to celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus is we're going to be looking at the, the declaration of who he is. Um, we're going to be really looking at who do you say I am? And I feel like that was the question he was making to us this morning. Did you hear that? And, um, and so that's exciting to me when the, the Holy Spirit does something in the flow of service that affirms that we're headed in the right direction and that what we're focusing on is what he's focusing on right now. Um, but there's so much about that, about who we say he is that's involved in prayer because we pray in his name. And so it's important that we know what that means. It's important that we know what is carried with that name when we pray in his name. So we'll dive into that a little bit more throughout this week. Pastor Bob is going to be preaching next week. Oh, I just spilled some water. Um, Pastor Bob is going to be preaching. It's okay. It's plastic. Um, He's going to be preaching next week on Palm Sunday, and so in some ways he'll kind of be kicking it off, but I will be kind of giving an introduction after we get through cultivating a life of prayer. So I've, I've started out with these key points, but I, if you know me and my husband does, I can't start in the middle in a conversation. I have to start at the beginning again. I don't know what that is. I'm sure I could you know, get healing for that. But um, he probably wishes I would. Sometimes when we're having a conversation and I keep leading in with the same, and then, but I can't start in the middle when we pick it up again. He goes, okay, please don't say this again. Um, but I'm going to say it again. The first thing um, that we talked about as a key ingredient, a key piece of our lifestyle of prayer is intimacy. And we talked about the fact that our life of prayer is established in intimacy, it's sustained in intimacy. That 
<clears throat> it's not going to be any fun trying to have a life of prayer that's not based on this relationship and this closeness with the God that we're speaking to. It's not going to be easy to know what to pray. It's not going to be easy to, to um, connect with the heart of God unless we, we recognize that the key piece of prayer isn't just the practice of prayer, it isn't the discipline of prayer, although that plays into it. How many of you know that in relationships, there is a discipline, <laughs> right? There's a, there's a discipline in that. Yes, there's that desire and that draw to give to one another, but, you know, sometimes that desire and draw is stronger than others. And so when that's not fully in the forefront of a relationship, there is a discipline to continuing to connect and to give to one another. But it's for the sake of intimacy. And we need to recognize that prayer is first intimacy with God, that it's, it's the key ingredient. How many of you have made a recipe where you start making the thing and then you realize, oh, I don't have this. And then you start Googling, what can I use instead of baking powder? Or what can I use instead of cream of chicken soup? Or, you know, whatever. Anyone else ever do that? Right. And usually that substitution doesn't work out as well as the key ingredient that you really should have. And the same is true in prayer, that we, our prayer life, there's a key ingredient that makes it work that makes it rise, <laughs> that brings the flavor to it that is sweet, whatever you want to say, and it's intimacy. And so that was the first thing that we really have been pressing into. So here's another key to um, cultivating a life of prayer, and it's exactly what the disciples did. It's that we would ask Jesus to teach us to pray, that we would come, even with a humility to our time of prayer, recognizing that we still need to be discipled in prayer, that we still need to be led into praying right, rightly. We might even say, yes, I'm, I'm seasoned in prayer. I've prayed all my life. I know how to pray. But there are times in season where, where we need to come in and say, teach me how to pray in this time, in this season. Teach me how to pray in this moment. Whether it's, we're going to talk a little bit about that, the seasons of our lives, lives change. And if we try to pray in exactly the same way as we did in this season of our life, it, it won't have the same effect. It, it's, it might be harder. But we can say, Jesus, teach me to pray in this season. What does it look like in this time? We are, as believers, first and foremost, disciples. And so we should expect that he is continuing to disciple us. Discipleship is not the thing that happens the first eight weeks after you get saved. You know? Discipleship is not the thing that happens when you, when you go through the first little booklet or whatever. We're in a lifestyle of discipleship. And he's discipling us in all these different areas. He's continuing to disciple us. And so we want to approach prayer in a way that says, teach me to pray. What I love is that he's made this really easy because we're not just looking at the words and going, okay, he said to do this, he said to do this, he said to do this. He actually gave us a prayer tutor. He said, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. 
And so when he teaches us to pray, it's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out that he's teaching us to pray because he left us the Holy Spirit. So, so we see that Jesus had a plan for this. Romans 8, 26, and probably 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. How many of you sometimes feel weak in the area of prayer? I sure do. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought to. Not only do we not know what we should pray, we don't know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we, we, need, when we ask Jesus, teach me to pray, what we're doing is we're inviting the Holy Spirit to pray through us. We're inviting him, and sometimes that means we won't have the words. I'm beginning to think words aren't the most important part of prayer. It's an important part of prayer. <laughs> But there's this communion that happens in the spirit where we come into the alignment. How many of you have experienced that where there's just something from deep on the inside and you can't, I don't know what it is, but there's something and sometimes it just needs to be released. That's when we can, we can uh, press into our prayer language. If you speak in tongues, you can pray in the spirit to release that. Sometimes it just sounds like sobbing or groaning or, or whatever it is. But, but this is one of the ways that Jesus teaches us to pray by allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. It's, it's like this conference call in prayer. I, this is not a thing anymore, is it? Remember three-way calling? Yeah. You could press certain press, you know, special buttons on your phone to get three people on the line at the same time. That's what it is. We, we come into this place of prayer, and we have Jesus and Holy Spirit and Father. It's like four-way calling, and us. And we're having this opportunity even to hear what is on the heart of God. What is the Holy Spirit contending for? What is that intercession that's happening? And we can join in with that. The other thing I appreciate is that when we invite Jesus, teach us to pray, and he sends the teacher, the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit becomes part of our prayer life, that also means that the fruit of the Spirit becomes part, part of our prayer life. So the fruit of the Spirit, how about, how about self-control? That, that when I want to make an, an effort or I want to respond to the invitation to prayer and I invite the Holy Spirit into that process, he brings the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, which means I can tell myself to pray and I will do it. Because the Holy Spirit is manifesting that fruit in me. Or love. Or joy. Or peace. That I can... Have that be part of the way that I pray is the fruit of the Spirit's manifesting through that. So we need Jesus to teach us to pray. And he does that by giving us the Holy Spirit. The other piece that we need to recognize 
if we want prayer to be a lifestyle, is that we need to find our rhythm of prayer, our rhythm of relationship and connecting with God. I think sometimes we can become so rigid in what we think a lifestyle of prayer looks like. We can become so rigid with that. And part of it's because we base it on what we've seen in other people. So I think I've shared this before. My dad prayed early, early in the morning. He got up early and he prayed before he went to work. And so I just felt like if, you ha- if you're having a prayer life, it has to happen before the sun comes up. It has to really hurt a lot <laughs> that you, you, know, you have to get up early and sacrifice and you know whatever else. But the reality is my dad prayed early, early in the morning because he worked construction, because he had to be on the job site early, and because that was the only time in the day that he could connect with the Lord. Now, I just want to say I have really enjoyed early prayer. There is something about starting the day with with prayer and, and having that be the thing I do before everything else. But the reality is we all have to find this rhythm of prayer that's going to work with the seasons and the routines of our life. And it's going to change throughout your, life, your lifetime. My guess is that my dad's early morning, well, that's not true. He's still up very, very early. But I was going to say, it doesn't have to be. I'm not sure why he does that. But, <laughs> but that throughout time, those seasons change where where we connect with God at, at a different time of day. Maybe it's, it's your drive to work. Maybe you have an hour drive, and that's the place that you can connect with him. Maybe as a couple, you choose to give one another, you take turns giving one another a space of time after dinner while the other one gives the kids the bath or you know whatever it is. You need to find the rhythm that's going to work for you rather than looking at this kind of rigid view of what prayer is. So the first thing about that is there's different seasons in our lives, and different seasons require different things. So one of the ways we can ask Jesus to teach us to pray is to ask, what does a lifestyle of prayer look like in the season that I'm in? And he can give you creative ideas about what that can look like. But the other piece of that is that Part of your rhythm and your routine of prayer is your personality. Jesus spent so much time trying to convince the disciples that God was a father. That that he's a father and that he wants to relate to you in a personal way. And part of it was to break them out of this sense that God interacts with everybody the exact same way. How many of you, as parents... Recognize that you interact differently with your different kids. That that if you really want to connect with them, it may be a different time of day. We we have one one, uh, child that's sort of dead to the world in the mornings. So that is not the time to connect. And then we have another one that does like to get up early. And so it's, it's... what, what is the personality and what way he wants to connect with you uniquely in the way that you connect. He doesn't interact with all of his kids the exact same way. He has the exact same favor for you. He has the exact same desire 
to be with you and to have time with you. But he's willing because he made you a particular way. He wants you to interact with him in that way, to show up in the way that he made you. And so for some of you, that means you're going to want to find a really comfortable chair and a blanket and you make a cup of tea and you sit down and you get your little journal and, oh, this is my time of prayer. And you love that. And you love to journal and write. And, but sometimes we hear that. Somebody, somebody says, oh, I have a prayer journal and I do this. And you go, oh, yeah, I guess I should probably do that. I saw it on Instagram. That's what they do. <laughs> If you've Instagrammed your prayer time, I'm not dogging on you. I'm just saying. We don't, base, we don't base what we do on that. Some of you need to move. Some of you need to walk when you pray. My dad is a mover. It is very difficult for him to sit still for very long to the degree that when we go out to eat as a big family, He's always asking, hey, oh, hey, I think this little one wants to go for a walk. As if he's doing us a favor. He is. He, is, he is actually doing us a favor. Sometimes we can actually finish a conversation when we had young kids. Um, but, but he's happy to do it because he likes to walk. And so he'll, he'll take a kid along with him as a prop, I guess. <laughs> Makes it more acceptable. <laughs> but we can walk in prayer. Some of you are going to want to be outside. Some of you are going to want to just drive in your car, or there's a, there's a personality behind how we best connect with the Lord. And we need to have the freedom to, rather than say, I don't fit into this mold of what prayer looks like, just let that be your journey with the Lord, but, but make the intention towards that. Ask him, how do you want to interact with me? Think about even when you want to connect with someone in relationship. If you want, you know, if we're going to do something together, what are, what are the kinds of things that, that I want to do? And bring that into your prayer life. I don't know if you can like prayer while, while bowling or I'm not sure about that. But, but just that if it's, if it's movement, if it's sitting still where it's quiet, you want music, you don't want music. You want a journal, you don't want a journal. You want to do an hour at a time, or you want to do 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there. and Allow the Lord to set that rhythm with you. Allow him to interact with you uniquely in the way that, that works for you. What's interesting is, essentially, if all of us are made in his image, God is all the personalities. Isn't that scary? No. Isn't that amazing? That God is all the personalities. Don't you think he'd be bored if we kept approaching him in this one way that we thought was the way? He wants, he wants to connect with us uniquely. So find your own personal rhythm or routine of prayer based on the season that you're in and based on your personality and the way that he's created you to connect with him. And again, ask him, God, how do you want to interact with me? That's part of this, this dialogue with him, even that. I think sometimes we feel like we have to come and like have it figured out. And No, ask him, how do you want to interact with me? What does it look like for us to connect? 
so the fourth thing, we've got intimacy. We have asking Jesus to teach us to pray, letting the Holy Spirit teach us, finding your own rhythm based on your season or personality. The fourth thing is that you need to commit to the long haul, that establishing a life of prayer is, is not, doesn't happen in a day. <laughs> it doesn't happen. If you think about it, really any healthy habit you, you got to be in it for the long haul. You got to be looking at not not have I what's happened since yesterday, or or you're going to get discouraged because you're going to have a day where you just didn't get the time, and you didn't take that time with the Lord. But then you go back and but I'm in it for the long haul. Any any new habit that I've ever started, we've done like whole thirty. Anyone done the whole thirty? It's where you eat everything that's boring. No. Not really. It's actually pretty good, but it's, you know, it cuts out all the carbs and sugars and processed things, whatever. Or um, have you done any kind of exercise regimen? Okay, I'm going to go to the gym three, three days a week. I'm going to walk for 20 minutes every day. I'm going to, you know, whatever. So for me, I almost always start at the beginning of a month because it feels like a fresh start or the beginning of a week. And then somewhere in there, I don't do the thing. And I go, okay, well, I'll start again next month. (laughs) Right? Am I the only one? Sometimes I feel like I reveal things and then realize everyone's like, we should pray for her. (laughs) Um, Or or I'll be like, okay, it's Wednesday. I failed. I'll start again on Monday. You know, but... But we need to be in it for the long haul. We need to know that it's a, it's a process. It's actually a process to reset our cravings even. You know what I mean? When you've tried to change how, what you're putting into your body, so we'll think about prayer like that for a second, it takes time to reset your cravings. If you don't have a hunger for prayer, first of all, we can ask God to cause us to have a hunger for prayer. I feel like he's doing that. As we've been asking, God, help us to be hungry for this. But if you don't have a hunger for prayer, it takes time to develop a hunger for prayer. You know how there's certain, there's a, the term hangry. How we can, hangry is hungry and angry. And it's, it's that way that people, like my husband, no. It's that way that people get when they haven't eaten or... If you're accustomed to eating sugar and then you cut sugar out of your diet and there's like this irritation on the inside, this angry hunger um, that happens, I believe that we can get to a place where we can become spiritually hangry because we have a craving to be with the Lord. We have a craving for prayer. Our appetite has developed for prayer because we've been in it for the long haul. We've, we've made it part of our life. You know, again, we, we do this with lots of other things, and we realize it takes time to develop the habit. So when we, we go to the gym and we go, okay, I know it's just going to take me time to develop the habit, we can be just as intentional about our prayer life, recognizing that because I'm in it for the long haul, I can just start with a little bit. I can start with a little more than I'm doing right now. 
And then I can, as I build up that, that new craving or that desire, then I can do more and I can grow in it. But that's what we need to be looking at. Not do I do it perfectly, but am I doing it more than I did it three months ago? Is my prayer life more, um, have I cultivated more of a prayer life than three months ago or six months ago or even a year ago? So it's, it's, we're looking at the long game. It's not, it's not just what I'm doing from day to day. Short-term thinking makes us discouraged. The other piece as it relates to committing to the long haul is this, this aspect of persistence in prayer. I think sometimes, and I'm not sure if there's particular teachings or something that, that have caused this, but we can kind of feel like, I asked for it, and then that's enough. I don't ask for it again. Like, like I've already prayed about that, and so tomorrow I can't bring that to the Lord again if, if it hasn't, didn't happen or whatever. We just kind of go, okay, well, it didn't happen, or you know, whatever it is. And I feel like the Bible actually talks a lot about persistence in prayer. It talks about to, to ask and to keep asking. Let's look at Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. And then verse 8, For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I mean, this is Jesus talking. These are some of the outrageous things that Jesus said about prayer. But he says it. And so there is this persistent. There's actually these... Um, these words, ask, uh, seek, knock, there's, a, there's a, a tense on them in the, in the original writing that has to do with continually. It has to do with, like, not ask the one time, but to ask continually, to seek continually, to knock continually. And so if there's something that the Lord has, you've, you've said, teach me to pray, and he's dropped something in your heart to go after in prayer, and you've established your, your um, rhythm and your routine of prayer, realize I can be in this for the long haul and I can continue seeking the Lord for this. And asking him, what do, you want, what do you want to show me about this? How do you want me to ask? How do I come into agreement with what I know you already want to do? But that we can be persistent in it with the expectation that the door is going to open or that we're going to find what we're seeking or receive what we're asking for. Okay, intimacy, asking Jesus to teach you how to pray with Holy Spirit's help, finding your rhythm that matches your season and your personality, be in it for the long haul, persistence. The other piece is eliminate distractions. Ugh, gross. This is, this is something that I believe even Jesus recognized the need to eliminate distractions. He, he found he had to get away from and set aside himself to get, to get rid of and away from distractions. I'm guessing that people were talking to him constantly, 
asking him questions, telling him things, because they want him to know how smart they are, you know, whatever it is. So he had to get away from distraction. This is a huge issue for us right now in society. We live in constant distraction. Some of you are going, well, I choose not to, and you are amazing. I am so glad it was so nice of you to come out today from your hermitage. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> but you, we can choose how much distraction we let into our lives, even if we don't live in a hermitage. But, but there's this, this constant distraction, and our attention spans are actually shrinking. Like, this is a real thing. This is, this is documented that our attention spans are shrinking because of the way that information is available to us and fed to us. And, and you know, before a three-minute video was better, and then now they're like, yeah, you've got one minute because no one's going to watch to the end. Do you know, here's my least favorite thing in the car. So in the car, I will let my daughter be the DJ, and we hook up, we have fake Bluetooth through the radio because my car's old. And, you know, whatever. And so then she'll be the one on, the, on my phone playing the music. And so she'll be playing the music. And about a minute and a half through the song, she goes, skip. I go, what? I like that song. She's like, I know, it's boring to listen to the whole song. What? It's two, two minutes or, you know, whatever it is. <coughs> but this is, this is the state of our world that we're in. That, that we get bored. We, the other piece is that we have constant input from a lot of different sources. So yes, just in the process of living in family and living in relationship, we have that. But we have constant in, input. And so we need to make space for prayer. And I don't even just mean you know in that amount of time that we carve out, but we need to make space in our brains, in our, in our thoughts, in our, that, that we are not constantly inundating ourselves with so much information. So that when we even come to prayer, we have any semblance of ability to connect and, and to be still and to listen. Do you know, it's a difficult thing Here's one of those moments I'm going to be like, so sorry that I shared that. But how do we expect to be able to sit and be still with the Lord for even five minutes when we can't go use the bathroom without bringing our phone with us? Right? Like, like and I'm not even talking the long kind. Like, <laughs> have you ever? No. Okay. Or we're going to take a shower, so we have to listen to a podcast while we take a shower. Or I'm cooking something, so I have to have something playing. Or I, please tell me I'm not the only one. Okay, good. But, but we have to train ourselves to be willing to be still and to be willing to, to make space for the Lord to speak to us. To sit without having to be entertained or having input. 
We have this sense that we always have to be entertained. So even sometimes in prayer, we think that. We think that it should be like, like you know, all tingly and there should, you know, and music has to be playing. And no, we need to break free from that and be able to just come and be with him and enjoy him. And how many of you have been in a conversation with another person at the table or in the car and there's a little bit of a lull and so one or both of you picks up your phone and then all of a sudden the conversation is lost sorry this good for you yeah this is good i come to confess my faults one to another So we can make a point to separate from those distractions. We can build up our endurance in prayer of being able to sit and be still and to listen or walk, because remember it's about our personality, but to listen and to, to press in in the Lord. If you're in prayer and your mind wanders or you get distracted, just bring it back. Just bring it back. Oh, okay, I'm coming back. Because you'll begin to discipline yourself in that. You'll begin to discipline your mind. Like, this is what we're focusing on. If you've, if you've set out, okay, I'm going to spend 15 minutes when I first wake up. And, and that boredom starts to kick in at about minute three. <laughs> Just persevere through that. It's kind of like when you're at the gym and you're running on the treadmill and you're going to, I'm going to run two miles and you get to like, 0.36, and you're like, oh, but you'd push through it, right? You just, you just do that five extra reps. Do it in prayer and train, train yourself. A lot of discipleship is training ourselves in the way of the Lord, training ourselves in the way that he's discipling us. So we cultivate a lifestyle of prayer in lots of different ways, but these are the ways that I had. Intimacy, hum- humbling ourselves to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit teach us, find a rhythm that matches our season and personality, commit to the long haul, be in it for the long game, eliminate distractions, and we talked about last week, coming with anticipation and expectation. We need to come into prayer knowing that when we pray, something happens. That when we pray, God shows up. When we pray first, he meets with us, which would be enough. (laughs) It would be enough just to know that when I choose to come into prayer, God is going to come into the room with me and meet with me. Actually, he was already there. It's really more about my awareness of him. He's not far away. He's not like, well, I don't hear from you very often. It might take me a while to get there. (laughs) He, He is right there. And prayer really is about increasing my awareness of him. So we come in prayer with an expectation that he's going to meet with us. We come with an expectation that he's going to speak to us. That he has things. Jesus said, we don't live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Have you eaten today? That's what we want to be hungry for. 
that we would come into that place of prayer to meet with him and to have him speak to us. And then we have an expectation, and again, I don't understand it all, but the word makes it really clear that when we pray, he moves. When we pray, he, he moves. We move his heart. I think partially we step into the movement that he's already moving in, but we can move his heart. We can draw his attention to things. We can ask and seek and knock, and he's going to respond to that. And so we come with that expectation every time, regardless of, of whatever I, I believe the Lord was speaking to those disappointments today, he's dealing with that. I, I, don't, I don't for a minute feel like I cannot come and pray until I've overcome that. I'm going to come and pray with expectation. And I'm going to let him deal with disappointments. And I'm going to let him deal with, I'm not sure, I'm going to come with expectation because it says I can, because he told me I can. So we can expect that to happen. The other thing, he moves uh, he moves for us, but he also moves us. In Philippians 4, 6, it talks about, don't be anxious for anything, but to bring everything to him in prayer. And then I love the verse after that. I'll find it in here. I don't remember if I gave you that one. Philippians 4, 6, I'm going to close with this. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And here's the result of coming to him in prayer. Here's what I can expect. Not only that he meets with me, he speaks to me, he moves, but that I'm going to be moved. Because then it says, when I've come to him and I let my request be known to God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When I pray, something shifts on the inside of me. Something changes. I go away different than when I came in. Because I brought the request to him. I have expectation. He has spoken to me. His spirit, maybe I didn't hear anything, but, but I communed with his spirit. And I can then move forward with peace that goes beyond the understanding. I left it with him the one who has all understanding. <laughs> and then we walk away changed, full of peace. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.